good evening from my side. My name is Rudo, uh, one of the pastors here, and it's such a privilege to share with you the word tonight. Um, Donnie just forgot to add that I said I will fast Netflix as well. Okay, and social media, which I haven't been on in the last five years, and sugar and all of those things. Um, no, I'll do a proper food fast. And maybe uh, you can do what I do before fast every year. Uh, you can get one of these little booklets there at the back at the info table. And then you'll see tonight if you go through it, you can prepare for your fast and plan your fast. And what I do every year is while I, you know, fill in these little blocks and things, I do it over a thick-based Romans pizza, which will last until Wednesday. Right? That's great. And, um, and my wife asked me this, um, this afternoon at lunch, said, are you really going to do it? I said, yes, because then the hunger pains only come late sort of Wednesday evening. And then you go to bed early because then the next morning you can tell your, your hunger pains, uh, that tomorrow evening you are eating again. Uh, it's then that close. And so it's only five days. Uh, it's going to be great. We are always excited about our a week of consecration in the beginning of the year, and I hope that you'll join us um, as we're going to pray together as a family as well. Um, and so our new sermon series started last week um, called Set Apart, and it's, a, it's also our theme for 2024 as every nation global family being set apart by Christ, right? And it is to have a biblical view of holiness, ultimately to glorify God. That is what holiness is is about and in essence the word holiness means to be to be set apart to to look to look different right from from the rest um as as we started last week and Donnie referring to the boxes and and his title also last week was all about holiness being lost holiness lost and he shared on temptation is that the strongest in our lives when god's word is at the weakest in our hearts and therefore, it is, it is good for us to read God's Word because as we read God's Word and the authority of God's Word will keep us from, from temptation and deception and all of those things. But the good news is that holiness wasn't lost, lost into eternity and forever. No, holiness was restored. And that's the topic for tonight that I'm going to share with you, with, with you is Holiness restored. And so if you have your Bibles, you are welcome to open up in Hebrews 7. We're going to read together from Hebrews 7. Yes, my text is good tonight. This morning there was a bit of a glitch. So you can follow on the screen as well from Hebrews 7. Before we read, just a few, few things for you to, to note from Hebrews 7 or the book of Hebrews. Is there anyone that can tell me who wrote, who's the author of Hebrews? So see the guys giggle here in the front. It's a bit of a trick question um, because we don't know. We don't know who the author of, of Hebrews is. He's un, it's an unknown author. Uh, there's many debates. Is it Paul? Is it Barnabas? Is it this one? Is it that one? We don't know. Um, and so he's simply referred to as the Hebrews author. And he wrote this letter to first century Jewish Christians. It's important to note. First century Jewish Christians which went through a lot of persecution at the time. Persecution 
on social injustices, which had severe consequences. They were um, excluded from their families, excommunicated some of them. Some of them lost their inheritance. Some of them went back to Judaism or paganism. There was severe persecution on these early day Christians, um, Jewish Christians. And so this author wrote this letter to encourage them to keep their focus on Jesus. And so you'll see throughout the letter, if you read this letter, that he encourages them with a lot of Old Testament imagery because they, they were Jewish, right? And he would bring in things like the order of Melchizedek. And so we're not going to go into all of that. But there's the whole time this comparison between us and Jesus. Between us and Jesus. It's going like this the whole time if you're going through the, the book of Hebrews. And so see if you can pick it up in our, in our scripture that we are going to read tonight. Um, referring to the priesthood which we are included in and which are very limited, but also comparing it to Christ and his permanency, right? And so let me pray for this word and then we're going to read. Father, I pray as we read this word together, will you solidify it in our hearts? Holy Spirit, will you speak to us? Will you come and, and help us to have this biblical understanding of holiness so that we can live it daily in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 23, it says, The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds this priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, for first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself verse 28 for the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests but the word of the oath which came later than the law appoints a son who has been made perfect forever who has been made perfect forever an incredible piece of scripture in the last part of Hebrews 7 and uh, and we're going to go into this scripture in a moment in 1994, um, there was a mud disaster in Virginia in Marysprite, uh, which is my hometown. Maybe some of you um, have heard some of the stories that I've told previously. Um, and this specific mud disaster was, was um, it happened because that mining or mud dam wasn't managed well by the by mines and all of that and so when when mud is being pumped out of out of the mines it, it goes and lie in the in dam and that dam was very close to the community and on the 22nd of february 1994 it broke nine o'clock at night and um and it was one of the biggest mud disasters in our country and we lived literally a block you see those houses there we lived a block from this mud disaster and when it went it broke everything in its way for four kilometers 
our house was 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 completely destroyed. Seventeen people died around us, friends and families. And um, but what I want to share with you, and which which almost is a great comparison to 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 our scripture tonight, to understand the scripture, is there was a specific moment during this whole disaster, which which I will never forget. And that was the moment my dad tried to rescue me and my brother. And so the mud came in waves. And so when the, f- the first wave went through our house, broke everything, you know, we almost lost my brother. He was three years old. My mother catched him. He brought him back. Um, and so by God's grace, after the first wave, we were still together. And so my dad said to my mother, I'm going to put the kids on the roof because I want to rescue them. So because we, we could hear that there's more mud coming, right? And so... <laughs> And so my dad trying picking me up and he tried to put me on the roof and he couldn't put my pick my brother and he tried to pick him up and he couldn't. And by that time, due to the first wave of mud, he already broke four ribs, right? And so he couldn't pick us up. And so he tried to get on the roof to pull us up, but he couldn't do that either. And so we went back into the house and he said to my mother, I couldn't put them, and I couldn't, couldn't pick them up. I couldn't couldn't do it something that stays with you and so the next wave of mud came and by God's grace we prayed before that wave came and and it's as if our dining table came like a boat underneath our whole family of four lifted us up and in the old mining houses we had a front door and little piece of wall and then we had like a, there was a big window, you know, and that little piece of wall, that dining table got stuck against that little piece of wall and the roof. And when the whole thing was, was finished, everything was destroyed. But that little piece of wall stood. And then another piece of wall in our guest room, the roof was completely destroyed. If we were on the roof, we would have died that night definitely died that night and so God saved us God saved us and that's the whole message when we look at this last part of Hebrews 7 right the message from these last verses in Hebrews 7 has all to do and it refers to the problem of man the promise of Jesus and also the promise for us And so when we look at the promise of man, we see that we are limited. We are limited and we we are sinful. We are fallen people. Listen to what verse 23 says. It says, the former priests were many in number. But because they were prevented by death from continuing in office, they were not priests forever, friends. They died. At a certain stage, men are limited throughout the Old Testament. Great spiritual leaders like Moses, Samuel, David, and all of these guys, all of them died. A great leader would emerge. He would lead the people well and overseas an era of covenant and faithfulness. And then what happens? He will die and the next one will raise, being raised up. No matter how outstanding and beloved You know, we are as leaders or spiritual leaders over the decades, or you think you are, there's a time 
when you are going to die because your work is temporary. And that has to do with man's limitations. We are limited to time and to space. But also, in the same way, we are fallen. We are sinful. Verse 27 says, Those same high priests offer sacrifices daily. First for his own sins, because they were sinful. And then for those of the people. And so, man are fallen. Man are sinful. How often have we repented of our sins? You know, you, you go to a Rodney Seal camp, and then or a youth camp. No, no, who went to a Rodney Seal camp? Anyone? Not in this crowd. I went to a Rodney Seal camp and, uh, and you're so convicted about your life and the things that you shouldn't do. And, and you know, you write on a little piece of paper, I will never look at pornography ever again. And you sign there and you put the date there and you vow that this is what I'm going to do. Only to find that a few weeks or months later, you go back to the sin that you have vowed not to do because you try to do it from yourself from your own street because we are sinful people and we are limited and if we look at these boxes all of them look the same my dad tried to rescue us don't you think it's a valiant thing to do I have children you're a son and a daughter think of your your parents I would have done exactly the same thing, friends, trying to save my children, put them on the roof in a disaster. But my dad was limited with four broken ribs. He couldn't do it. He was limited. But God is not limited. God is not limited. He goes far beyond time and space. And so therefore, you cannot save yourself from guilt and out of your own strength. You cannot save yourself from shame from your own strength and your own ability. You, you cannot, you think you might be able to save yourself from your addiction, but you can't. Your relational dysfunctions, bad decisions, you think... You can save yourself. We think we can save ourselves daily, even though we know Christ. We think we can still do it by ourselves. And so therefore, there is the promise of Jesus. It's the promise of Jesus. Jesus overcame death forever. Jesus overcame sin forever. Listen to verse 26 and 27. It says, For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. He has no need like those high priests, like we do, to offer sacrifices daily for his own sins. And then those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. Doesn't it? Sound familiar? Jesus lived a perfect holy life, verse 26. He offered up himself, verse 27. And he was the perfect sacrifice who died and rose again, 
satisfying the problem of sin and death forever. Not just temporary, not limited, but forever. Verse 24 says, He holds His priesthood permanently because He continues forever. Verse 28 says, A son who has been made perfect forever. You know when we tell our children, you know, don't, maybe you don't know, but maybe your parents told you, don't use the words forever. You know, forever is a very long time. Now we, we say in Afrikaans, we need altijd say, of nooit say, nooit say, long time. This scripture says, forever. A son who has been made perfect, forever. Doesn't it sound like the gospel? And so read with me, just the gospel again. This is the gospel, the good news, that God became man in Jesus Christ. To reconcile those who do not know him to himself. He lived a perfect, sinless life on our behalf and died on the cross for our sins. He was buried and on the third day rose from the dead, securing our redemption forever. Having triumphed over Satan and the forces of darkness, he ascended into heaven as Lord of all. Everyone who repents and believes in him receives forgiveness of sins and eternal life. I want you to just take a moment and read this for yourself. Just read it. And while you read it, can you be aware of this question? Do you still believe it? Read it slowly and ask yourself, do I still believe it? Take a moment. Do you believe it? Do you believe that Christ died on a cross? That somewhere in history there was someone who hanged on a cross and that he died? Do you believe that this person rose from the dead? He actually rose from dead, from being dead. And he's alive. He's the son of God. Do you believe that he triumphed over Satan and the forces of God? It's not a mystery, friends. I'm asking you, do you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because this is a gospel that is forever. Do you believe that he ascended into heaven as Lord of all? And do you believe that if we confess our sins, that he saves us. This is the gospel of the good news. And so therefore we shouldn't miss the third message that is in this text in the last part of Hebrews 7. And that is a promise for us for today. A promise for you and for me to this very day. Not only is Jesus our Lord and our Savior, but through the finished work on the cross, He also makes us holy. 
Verse 25 says, He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Him, through Jesus. Let me read it again. He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Him. What does it mean? There's, a, there's two verbs in this, in this first part of the scripture. The first, the first one I want to share is to save. And this to save, it literally means that Christ, Christ will save you and me in the most comprehensive way. In, it is all included. included. None excluded. He, he doesn't save just certain parts of our lives. No, he saves everything. It is all included comprehensive he saves us from all we need saving from Christ's salvation is a complete deliverance no matter what your need is and so the question is do you have need do you face difficulties and difficult decisions every day I do I need Jesus to save me every day every day friends it wasn't just this once-off thing. No, I need him to save me every day. And then the second verb is, is able refers to power. He has the power to bring complete salvation. Complete salvation to all who approaches him through God. And so this salvation is not just, you know, certain parts of your sin. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll forgive you for for looking at the wrong things, but I'm not going to save you from the guilt of it. Now he says, I have the power to save you. Everything included, comprehensively, the guilt of our sins, the effects of our sins, the power of our sins. He saves us from all of those things. And therefore, therefore, friends, because of that, because God doesn't do, you know, half a job, a half thing. It is for that reason that Christ restores our fallen and sinful nature so that we can be holy as he is holy. It is because of that that we are not fallen anymore. But we can be in Christ. We can be holy. And then 1 Peter makes a little bit of sense when you read it, right? If you read 1 Peter 1 verse 14 to 16 in the Amplified, it says, Live as obedient children of God. Do not be conformed to the evil desires which govern you in your ignorance. Before you knew the requirements and transforming power of the good news regarding salvation. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your conduct. He says, be set apart from the world by your godly character and moral courage, because it is written, you shall be holy, set apart, for I am holy. Through Jesus, friends, God secured our pardon from sin. He secured that we do not have to be sinful anymore. We do not have to be fallen no more. Through Jesus, our holiness is restored. And only through Jesus, because he is permanent, he is forever. 
Then Peter continues in a beautiful way and he writes in chapter 2, You are a chosen race. That is who we are. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people from his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have received mercy, you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I want to end with this, with this quote from Athanasius, a 4th century African theologian. He said this, I read this quote over and over, because that's all you can do with this quote. He says, he became what we are so that he might make us what he is. Jesus became what we are, so that in that place, he can transform us into who he is. And that is only through Jesus. That is only, it is not from our own strength, friends. It is not from our own strength. We cannot, do, we are limited. In all of these valiant and almost want to say saving power. My dad wanted to save us that day and to hear that I can't. Tough. But it was because he was limited as a human being. But Jesus is saying, I'm not. I overcame death. I overcame your sin. Once and for all, and if you read throughout the whole New Testament, you'll see these words. It says, in Christ. In Christ. But you know what we like to do? We like to live just next to Christ. Now, as long as I touch Christ, then I'm okay. Or as long as, you know, if I can just be sort of with Christ, then I'll be fine. You know, just certain parts of my life. Because I think that there's still parts of my life that I can sort out on my own. But you know what, friend? You are limited. It is only through the power of Christ and when we are in Christ that we are set apart and holiness is restored. That is the only moment. That is the moment when we when we put our own trust down and receive the salvation, the rescue from Jesus. Because in Christ, the old is gone and the new is gone. And this is from God through Jesus. It is in that moment and only in that moment that holiness is restored.